Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 47, Childhood Celebrity Crushes. Hey, Chris McBride here. That is Yancey Eaton, and this is Pop Goes Your World. Before we get started, uh, don't forget, we got to get over to podcastawards.com. If you can, you, you got until the end of the month, so you got until July 31st, 20, 2017. Get over to podcastawards.com and cast your ballot for your nominations in multiple different categories. And while you're there, while you're nominating all your favorite podcasts, when you're in the entertainment category, it's actually the Rob Has a Podcast entertainment category, please think about nominating Pop Goes Your World. We're in the drop-down menu for that category, so just take 30 seconds, nominate us for a podcast award. We'd certainly really appreciate that. Yancey, what's going on in South Florida today, my friend? Uh, the huge. It is extremely hot inside my shed as I'm recording. Like, I'm literally just drenched in sweat, and I just got inside here. It's so hot. This weather is so terrible. I'm telling you guys, like, I've lived in Florida my whole life, and Florida is incredibly overrated. If you guys want the sunshine or you want the beach, go to California, go to the Carolinas, go anywhere else. The humidity here is just... I mean, it's it sucks. It, it is an absolute deal breaker when it comes to living in South Florida. It's terrible, but I'm pretty good. I uh, my work schedule has been really crazy, but I'm pretty excited because we actually do have a guest tonight. I know you're going to bring her in, but yes. notice notice I said her. Yes. And I also think that this is her podcast debut, her official podcast debut. Awesome. I'm not 100 percent sure. So why don't you bring her in? I will. So this week we decided to do something a little bit different in terms of our topic. So we wanted to do childhood celebrity crushes because we figure, hey, you know what? Growing up, whether you grew up, uh, you know, as a Gen Xer like I did, you know, like in the 70s and 80s and or like you growing up in the, in the 2000s you know when you're younger you have crushes on celebrities it just happens so we wanted to kind of run down who our favorite ones are but we thought to balance things out what would be better than to bring on a female perspective and we just kind of give a new thing to the show so we decided to to, to reach out to uh, Danielle Salinger and Danielle Salinger you might know her from Twitter I mean, she's at MRS D Salinger that's Mrs. D Salinger and she's of course married to our very good buddy Justin Mason from the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast so we had to reach out to her Danielle thank you very much for joining us and is is Yancey right is this your first podcast ever Yes, he is. He's absolutely right. This is the first podcast I have ever participated in. Oh, so, and I'm very excited because I am a huge fan of your guys' show. Oh, thanks. So, I'm just curious, uh, you know, not to disclose anything. If you don't want, if you're not comfortable with this, I know I could get in trouble asking this question. <laughs> but if you're not, where do you don't have to tell us age or you know where where do you fall in the spectrum between me and Yancey? Do you, do you, will you at least disclose that just so we know where you're coming from? You know what? I have no problem. I was born in 76, so I am 40 years old currently. So I'm kind of right in between you guys, a little bit closer to you, Chris, than yeah. I am to Yancey, but still in that in-between area. So I think that that perspective, the fact that you're, you're kind of in between our ages and the, obviously the fact that you're female, this is going to be just add a new dimension to the show in terms of talking about our favorite celebrity crushes. So are we all ready to get started? Absolutely. Okay. I'm ready. All right, let's hit it. And everyone knows how much I love Fonzie. I don't know if you've seen any of the Sharknado movies. Shatner and Takei are going to be there. I cannot believe that this is actually possible. The Star Wars prequels were awful. Young Doctors in Love. Young Doctors in Love. Bad CGI kind of starts and ends with George Lucas. Some of the worst CGI I have ever seen in my entire life. He ruined the whole original trilogy by superimposing Hayden Christensen over Sebastian Shaw at the end of Jedi. Okay, so here we go. We're going to run down our top five celebrity crushes that we had as we were growing up as kids. And I'm going to throw things over to our guests, first of all. So, Danielle, why don't you take us away? Let's start. We're going to go from number five and then work up to four, three, two, one from there. So starting with your number five, who's your number five childhood celebrity crush, please? Okay. I have to say, I thought this was going to be really easy. And then when I started making a list, I realized that I was a little boy crazy when I was younger. So I tried to focus on the boys that I crushed on in my youth uh, when my thoughts were a little bit more sweet and innocent and had yet to venture into anything impure. So oh, good, good, good. Good um, for my number show. five, <laughs> I don't know many girls my age that didn't have a crush on Michael Schofling. Um, he had a relatively short career. Ooh. It really only included one well-known role. 
Uh, but it was an amazing role. He played Jake in Sixteen Candles. Oh yes! Oh, good one. So oh, you know, and- he had a career that spanned maybe about a decade, but the rest of the roles really were were small. Um, but most girls know Jake from Sixteen Candles, and what's not to like? He was tall, dark, and handsome. He drove a gorgeous car. He was in touch with his emotions, and most of all, who doesn't want a guy that'll rescue your panties from a nerd? So, Jake is my number five. That's a good one. Oh, I like that one a lot. And you know, the thing is, can I throw some trivia at you? You know, we're going to do some trivia at the end of the show. Do you know, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but do you know who they actually gave that role of Jake Ryan to? Originally, when, when they were, you know, putting together the actors and they were casting it, they actually gave that role to Viggo Mortensen. I do remember you mentioning so, something about that, and I can't imagine him in that role. Could you imagine? And the only reason they got rid of him was because John Hughes felt that, uh, you know, between scenes and behind the scenes, that he was getting a little bit too frisky with Molly Ringwald. And that was kind of John Hughes's, it was kind of like his muse, you know, her. And he was very protective of her. So he felt things were going a little bit, uh, that uh, Vigo was getting a little bit too aggressive. So he fired him. And he, and he brought, yeah. in, uh, brought in your guy. So just a little piece of trivia. So oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Jake Ryan. Yes. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a Gen Xer too. So I like that one. Okay, Yancey, who do you got for your number five? Uh, so number five for me, I think this is going to be a name that most people, as soon as they hear it, they're not going to know exactly who this is. But they might know her from one very, very, I, I think it's a famous role. But knowing me, knowing that I reference you know the same half dozen films all the time. And Chris, it's been well documented on this show. And, you know, Danielle, I know you've heard this too, but The Matrix is my favorite movie of all time. I've watched it probably a hundred times. So Fiona Johnson, she is affectionately known as the woman in red in The Matrix. If you go to her IMDb page, she actually has like a really short list of credits. She was in uh, The Matrix in 1999, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones in 2002, and Playing the Field in 1998. Those are her only credits as far as IMDb goes. Despite that, like I said, Whenever this movie came out, I was 11 years old, and The Woman in Red was just like the most beautiful, stunning, absolutely captivating woman I have ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, just the fact that she was in my favorite movie, she was only in it for a few seconds, but she I, she just obviously worked the role so well. Um, it kind of stuck with me as like my textbook, like just classically beautiful woman. Um, as I've got older, I kind of have like a different type, which is uh, what my wife is, is like the fair skin, but like a dark brunette, green eyes. Um, that's kind of like what I look for, you know, in a woman. And like I said, my wife just completely epitomizes all of those features. But she was the first, I think, actual celebrity crush that I had. And um, I mean, I, I remember used I used to look for like posters and stuff, you know, because everybody wants to hang up a poster on their wall. And she was so obscure that even, you know, even during 1999 and 2000, you know, at the height of the Matrix, like it was impossible to find anything about her. She kind of just drifted away. To be honest with you, I don't even know if she's alive at this point because she just <laughs> she just fell off the face of the earth. But that was the first love for me was uh, Fiona Johnson. And I I'll, told- I'll, I'll kind of always remember that. When you mentioned the Matrix, I thought you were totally going to care. And Moss. I just thought that's where you were going to go. No, I did I not expect that at all. Wow, that's a good one. Okay, yep. I, I put again as Danielle said, it was really hard to put together a list of five. No question. <laughs> and when I look at my five, I'm telling you, I, even even with Danielle's you know knowledge of Gen X, certainly which exceeds yours, Yancy, I bet you any money she doesn't know who three of these people are. But anyway, okay, I'm going to start with number five. So back in 1978, I was eight years old, and one of my favorite TV shows was Battlestar Galactica, and I used to love watching this every Sunday. Sunday night, I would watch Battlestar Galactica. It was the coolest thing because I was really into Star Wars and stuff, and I loved that kind of thing. And it was the first time I ever really thought of anything like this. But anyway, the, the actress's name, her name was Marin Jensen, and she played Athena. And that was um, uh, Lauren, um, uh, what's his name? Was Lauren Green's, uh, he was Adama. It was his daughter. And she was like hardly ever in the show. Once in a while, she just would like sit at a a, com- a computer monitor and just with a, a little headphone and just like deliver one or two lines and like she hardly ever did but I don't know for whatever I just had this major crush on her I was eight and I was so innocent and I just thought it was like my favorite TV show and I just had the biggest crush on her and I and but again like Yancey like you had said like I couldn't find it like I didn't have any pictures of her to put up or anything like that and and uh, but I just I just had this massive crush on her and I couldn't wait every Sunday and I always hoped that she'd be in the episode that week and was always so so happy when she'd make a, like an appearance even as brief as it was so Marin Jensen made my number five. That's mine. Okay, so number four, Danielle, who do you got? All right, number four for me, Johnny Depp. 
uh, he was on 21 Jump Street from about 87 to 90. So this was about junior high, beginning of high school for me. And 21 Jump Street was must-see TV for me and my friends. Um, because being in junior high, the world of high school seemed really sophisticated. Um, and Johnny Depp had that great mixture of being a bad boy, but only because he had to play one for his good boy job as an undercover cop. Uh, he had the floppy hair, which always did it for me. And I secretly fantasized that he was going to filtrate my my school come in i'd be able to meet him you know in the way the girls fantasize about that sort of thing when they're young so number four for me was definitely johnny depp oh that's a good one. okay yancy number four what do you got question for you daniel are you yeah. still just as attracted to johnny depp as you are now because i know he's kind of gone off like the like crazy bin the last couple of years like what, what are your thoughts on him now is he still like a classically handsome man or is he kind of like faded on you all right. When it comes to looks, I still think that he is aging well, um, even given, you know, his definite uh, hard partying ways. Uh, he still has, a, I don't know, there's just that something that he's always had. Maybe it's still the hair because he's still got that floppy hair going on. It's just a little bit longer now. But uh, as of recently, with some of the things that have come out in the news, yeah, it definitely takes away from the attraction. I see that. And yeah. for the record, I did not realize that 21 Jump Street was like a former thing. I just thought it was like a new movie that came out with Channing Tatum oh, a couple man, years oh, ago. Man. So. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh. See, do you see what I got to put up with every thing. week, Daniel? Oh, no, no. This is what I put up with every day in my life being married to my husband. Because my husband and I, there's an eight-year difference between the two of us. And so when we first began dating, he and his friend were talking about Mission Impossible. And I said, oh, that was a great show. And the two of them They're like, what? Me, that was a show? What are you talking about? And it's oh, just, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, so, yes, man. I understand the frustration. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay, Yancey, what do you got? Yeah, I actually didn't know Mission Impossible is a show either, but I digress. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, number four for me. Um, I think more, there, there are, are, are millions of beautiful women in the world, right? But I think what sets a person over the top is they have to bring something else to the table, whether it be a man or a woman, right? Being just, you know, objectively handsome or objectively beautiful for a woman um, is not enough whenever it comes to being a celebrity. Because like I said, there are just, you know, there are millions of people that want to be celebrities or they want to be famous, but, you know, they look good, but they're missing some sort of talent or pizzazz or, you know, stage presence or what have you. Uh, for me, I am always especially drawn to musical talent just because I've always put music at such a, a high level of importance in my life. So whenever I was a maybe like a preteen through like my teenage years and even now, um, I've always like championed fem like really strong female singers like you know with incredible ranges and you know they could they have like a you know four octave just range and they could sing high they could sing low various genres of music and I think one of the best vocalists of the last twenty five years who is starting to get a little bit of publicity as far as like being one of the most heralded singers of our time is Haley Williams of Paramore. Uh, she is an objectively beautiful woman, like I said. Uh, she is iconic for constantly dyeing her hair like various shades of orange and bright red. Um, like always. She was always known for that. Um, kind of like an alternative look to her, like very like punky emo. And like I said, she's been the lead singer of Paramore for years and years. Played, uh, you know, she signed to Atlantic, but it's a subsidiary of uh, Fueled by Ramen, which is like this really like indie warp tour type of uh, music label. Always done like pop punk music. She always dressed really cool. And like I said, what really set it off for me was the fact that. She's just such a phenomenal singer, such beautiful range. Uh, she has her hand in most of the songs that they write, so she's also a phenomenal songwriter and just an immensely talented person. Like, not even talking about physical attraction, but have you guys ever noticed, like, throughout the years that you're just drawn to people who are just incredibly good at something? It doesn't even have to be something that is tied to, like, a physical attraction, but just people who are immensely talented, whether it be, like, their job or they're good with communicating with people or anything like that. Like, she's just such a phenomenal singer that I've always kind of held that special place in my heart, like, for her and you know just as an aside she is interesting looking too just because she has you know like the gap between her teeth the the diastema for those of you who are like dental enthusiasts um i just thought i, <laughs> I always those, thought she was like all those dental <laughs> enthusiasts out there i know we have a huge overlap with the podcast yeah oh, our demographics we really penetrate the dental enthusiast demographic oh, yeah. yep for sure dentists really high on the list of occupations yep. that listen to the show but uh, in either way she's just an objectively beautiful woman like i said incredibly incredibly talented i was actually just listening to her newest album today um and she'll always have like special place in my 
heart just because of just the immense talent that she has as a singer. So Haley Williams is my number four. You made a good point there, and it leads right into my number four. You made a point that it's it, there's there's tons of beautiful people in the world. That's not what it's about. It's about somebody that Chris, has, you you co-host with one. Ex- well, exactly, one of the best. <laughs> I ride your coattails all the time, and, and like the thing is. Is that it's not just about someone who is, you know, just gorgeous. It's not about that. They have to have something, just something about them, an intangible thing. And I'll tell you, back in the 80s, okay, girls loved the movie Dirty Dancing, right? Like, they just love this movie. They love Patrick Swayze in it. But the thing is, for me, and then also in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I thought Jennifer Grey was one of the most uniquely beautiful women I'd ever seen in my life. Like, and I was a teenager. I was like, wow, look at her. She's just amazing looking. Like she, there was just something about her. And I know she had that kind of big nose. You know what I mean? But I don't, I just thought she was just so uniquely looking that I just had a major, major crush on her. And it was years later that she was on Dancing with the Stars. And my wife would watch this stupid Dancing with the Stars show. And she would, oh, we got to watch Dancing with the Stars. I don't want to watch this stupid show. And then I have to watch it. And then like, oh, Jennifer Grey's going to be. I was like, oh my God, Jennifer Grey. I always, I always had a crush <laughs> on her. Like, I just thought she was great. And then I watched the show and she went and got a nose job. And she looks like a different person. I was like, that's, that's not her. Like, she looks terrible. Like, I mean, I guess you would look at her for first glance on Dancing with the Stars. Go, man, that's a beautiful woman. But, for me, it was like, why did she do that? Why did she change mm-hmm. her appearance like that? That 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 was what made her look so unique, and that was to me what was the uh, the whole attraction with her in the first place. Was she she didn't look like everybody else. She looked just unique, and the fact that she went and got this nose job, nose job totally ruined it for me. So she she's still my number four, but she ruined it for me by not only going on Dancing with the Stars but getting a nose job before she did it. So that's that. All right, number three, Danielle. What do you got? Well, and you know, before I get to my number three, yes. I don't know if you know this, but she really struggled, Jennifer Grey, to get roles after that nose job because people no longer recognized her. She was unrecognizable. You're mm-hmm. right. And nobody would yeah. cast her because, like, you don't look like Jennifer Grey. We want Jennifer Grey. You know, who Absolutely. are you? Right? I agree. Ah, I wish she would have kept it. Well, uh, for my number three, and it's funny because what you guys are talking about for your number fours, I take to be kind of that passion that people have for whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's acting or singing or, you know, their job. When somebody has a great passion for something, that's very attractive. Um, So it kind of leads in a little bit to my number three, uh, which is John Cusack. Um, For a long time, he played played these nerdy guys going after the girl. Um, He had a lot of movies where he was doing, you know, he did 16 Candles where he didn't really go after the girl, but he still played the nerdy guy. Um, But One Crazy Summer. Remember One Crazy Summer? Exactly. The sure thing. Better off dead. One Crazy Summer. Hot Pursuit. Say Anything, which, you know, Say Anything is a favorite of most girls. But he played these guys that were kind of an anti-leading man. He wasn't the stereotypical uh, guy with the good looks and the smooth moves. He was a scrawny guy, um, had that nerdy look to him. But he was intelligent, and most of all, he was passionate. Passionate to the point where he would do whatever it took to get the girl. You know, even holding the boombox up above his head, which I know that most millennials probably don't know what a boombox is. <laughs> but there was a time when that was the thing to do before you had, you know, a Walkman or anything like that, or iPods nowadays. Um, but John Cusack just had this sweet sort of awkwardness that was very attractive and really endearing and so he's my number three i like that one that's a pretty good one and you, you speak of um you know when he did that with in your eyes and and held up the boombox that's a major gen x moment right and it was funny because oh, also yeah. when he was in that movie say anything his co-star and that was ioni sky and, and she was pretty crush worthy too from a guy's perspective oh, absolutely. oh yeah like that but she didn't do much else after that that's a good one i like that one i had a chance to go and see him speak at uh, Fan Expo last year, he was there with his sister Joan, and they did a, a session. They did a Q and A session, and I was right there in the front row, and I had a chance to, to see him talk with. Him. I think he was really, really hungover, but uh, but he did a really good thing. It was really good. So okay, so number three, Yancey, who do you got? Uh, number three is the textbook uh, Yancey's type. Like I said, uh, all of these, like my top three, are all kind of like an homage to my wife. Um, I didn't realize one hundred percent that I had a specific type until I met my wife, and then I was like. 
oh my god like that is my type you know what i mean like i meant like the fair skin the fit body the long dark hair uh and the and the piercing green eyes that's all of which you know my wife has and i don't know if you guys have ever uh you know seen pictures of my wife on facebook or twitter or anything like that but don't judge my wife's physical appearance by me because like i am a textbook nerd like through and through but my wife is stunningly stunningly gorgeous um and this next actress i think she's like the she is the celebrity personification of my wife in real life and that's Evangeline Lilly of Lost, Lost fame. Um, so I, like I mentioned before, I like uh, characters who kind of bring a little bit more than just being simply beautiful. Um, with her, obviously, she was, uh, you know, she. I, I first came to know her from Lost, and I just thought she was just so incredibly beautiful. But she was also a really like strong, just like powerful female lead in that series, and she kind of carried the entire series. She was the driving force. You know, she was the focal point of nearly every single episode. And to be honest with you, she was just kind of a badass, and I, that's what I like about you know strong female women like that. You know someone who can take care of themselves and they don't find their validation or their self-worth and what men think of them and i kind of like you know just really gravitated towards her with that um she's also been in like uh you know she was an ant-man she was in the uh, avengers movie she was in the hobbit and you know in the hobbit she was like an elf i thought she just looked stunningly beautiful um she was in the desolation of smog and the second hobbit as well um she's just like i said a phenomenal actor she's she's kind of always like flown under the radar she's never been like a huge star her you know her biggest moments were whenever she was in lost um and then kind of you know subsided into like the you know like the the underpinnings of like hollywood fame like she's never really been like a superstar and to be honest with you, that's kind of how i like it like i like like my people to kind of fly under the radar be a little bit low-key and you know not like the consensus you know number one you know most famous actress or anything like that in the world but um i've always just had this this like special place in my heart for her like i said just because she always plays these really strong interesting you know really complex characters and uh she's the actor personification of my wife so that's my number three is kate Be- or not kate Beckinsale. uh spoiler alert <laughs> is evangeline <Lilly. laughs> i wonder, wonder who's coming next and, and you know one of the best qualities of evangeline lily yancy She's Canadian. Canadian, yes, that's so <laughs> yep, awesome. Saskatchewan. Oh, nice, yep. <laughs> gotta like it. Um, okay, so I have a question for you before I go into my number three. Have either of you? I know this is totally throwing it out there, and totally, you know, I don't know if you can answer this. Have either of you had an opportunity to ever meet in person someone that you had a crush on, a celebrity? Yes. Oh wow, who was it? Oh yes, I got to meet Jason Lee, um, who. Oh, God, he's been in Mallrats. He's been in a, a lot of different movies. And I was at a White Stripes concert at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. And he happened to be there. And my older brother, the wonderful man that he is, uh, told Jason Lee that it was my birthday and uh, asked if I could have a kiss, which I received on my hand. Oh, wow. And that's that so was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Is, is that the guy so. from the Chipmunks movie? Is that who that is? Oh yes! But oh yeah! I, don't, I, I I try to wash you can call that me, out of my, my name is Earl memory. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's yes, really yes. cool. My yeah. name is Earl, but I enjoyed when ah. he was. You know, he was in a lot of early Kevin Smith movies. Yes, he was, and I'm a big fan of the Kevin Smith movies. And so uh, that's when my crush first began for Jason Lee. Very very cool. Oh, I like that. And Yancy, uh, I guess not. No. Uh, not 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 like an actual female woman that I I found to be you know physically attractive, but but you did uh, meet this, but you did meet Fred Savage once. Um, ben Savage, <laughs> What's Ben oh, Savage, Ben Savage. Oh, yes, I did meet him, and I also met Corey Dickerson, like my favorite baseball yeah, player. Yeah, so all that's time. that's kind of that's kind of like it. Okay, so back in the eighties, back in nineteen eighty seven, a Canadian show started up, and I'm sure you guys have heard of it because it went on to you know a pretty pretty big fame, and it was called Degrassi Junior High. You guys have heard of that show, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a Canadian. Yancey, any chance you've ever heard of Degrassi? No. Uh, there's a rapper, Drake. He's actually Canadian, too. Yes. And he, he used to be on that show. He played a kid that was wheelchair-bound. Yeah, That's that, the only reason why I know the show. I've never seen in, it. Okay, so that was in the new version. That was like in the next generation or something like that, I think it was. But when it first started, it was called Degrassi Junior High. And there's actually a street in the east end of Toronto called Degrassi Street. And they made this show and it was you know these kids of Degrassi Street and it started in 1987 and one of the actresses on that show was her name was Stacy Matician and she was actually born in the States I think she was born in Los Angeles but um, but so anyway so she comes to Canada she's doing it and I just remember watching that show and I was just crushing on her 
huge. She was my age. I was just like, oh my God, I just have the biggest crush on her. I don't know what it was about her. She was, she was beautiful, but it was more that she had, it was kind of vulnerable. I don't know. I just, I just always had this crush on her. So then the cool story is, is a number of years later, um, I was like 23 years old and I was doing children's theater in Toronto. And what we did was every week they'd bring in like a quote unquote celebrity actor um, to come in and to do a, a reading with the kids. So we would be on stage and then we would like read a story to the kids. And and I, I never really was, like, tipped off ahead of time who it was going to be. Like, it would just be someone from Second City or, like, you know, someone like this and that. And uh, the one time it was the girl from the, the Northern Pikes video, She Ain't Pretty. Anyway, it's a long story short. And then one day, in walks, they said, okay, well, here's, you're going to do the, the, the reading with the kids. And it was Stacey Matician. And I just about fell over. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that nice. I had the opportunity to get on stage quickly and just do a quick children's reading with Stacey Matician, with my with my crush. And it was really interesting because backstage, I had a chance to meet her just briefly. You know, we talked a little bit before we went out and then a little bit afterward. And it just struck me how unbelievable. She was just really nice. And so that's always a major thing when you have like a major crush on mm-hmm. somebody and then you meet the celebrity and you find out they're really nice. And the thing yeah. that always struck me with her is that she was incredibly shy. And it kind of struck me because I thought for an actress, I expected her to be a little bit more outgoing. She was incredibly shy. She was like her character that she played on Degrassi. She was very, very shy, but it was very cool. So my number three crush, I actually got to meet. So it was kind of a cool story. So Hey, Chris, yeah. really quickly before we move on. Yeah. For those of us Googling along so we can see who these actors and actresses are, how do you spell her last name? Uh, I think it's like M I. S-T-Y-S-Y-N. All right, just because I'm trying okay. to get like an actual picture. All right, yeah, so, that so, is an that is an objectively beautiful woman. I, yeah, she I, is. I She's it. just just incredible, right? Like so. Anyway, okay. So number two, uh, Danielle, take us away. Okay, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who's looking up some of these names as we're going along. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you wouldn't know who any of mine were. <laughs> uh, Actually, I knew who so far two of them were. Your first uh, number five and number four. I know both of them. You so knew Marin Jensen. You knew who Marin Jensen was from Battlestar Galactica, Athena. I have an older brother Very who is cool. five years older than me, yes. so I watched a lot of Battlestar Galactica oh with him. So oh, yes, I am aware. And I'm she goodness. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Oh my goodness. All right. So moving in uh, to my number two, I chose my number two. And I'm going to be a little cheesy here, but nonetheless, uh, I chose him because he's got the right stuff. Uh, before O-O-O meant anything dirty, uh, that could only mean one thing, which was New Kids on the Block. Oh. I was a huge NKOTB fan back in the day, embarrassingly so. Um, I, I actually at one point had to force myself to go ahead and get rid of all the t-shirts and everything else that I had because it just was embarrassing. But. Uh, at the time, I loved New Kids on the Block, and I loved Jordan Knight. So Jordan Knight is my number two. Um, he always he always seemed like the kind of shy, sweet one to me. And, you know, there's always the stereotypes in a boy band. You've got, you know, the one that's kind of the bad boy. You've got the kind of younger baby-faced one. Um, the, the one that's a little bit more of the ladies' man. Um, but Jordan Knight always seemed like you know, the guy that would just take you out on a nice date and really pay attention to you and, and be very sweet. Um, that may have just been wishful thinking on my part. I'm not sure. But uh, New Kids on the Block, they were actually the first concert uh, that I got to go see for a group that I liked rather than something that my parents were dragging me to go and see. Uh, and I remember at the concert, all the girls around me screaming and crying and going into hysterics. And I just thought it was ridiculous. So I made sure that all my screaming and crying was kept inside of my head that's really cool and it's funny because those those stereotypes that you were talking about uh, and as they related to boy bands they actually relate to podcasts as well because around here Yancey is the baby faced one and I of course am the ladies man I'm totally I'm totally kidding I'm a total nerd I'm not the biggest nerd (laughs) okay uh, Yancey Mr. Babyface who do you got for number two all right. So for number two for me, um, 1999 is a recurring theme in this show. Uh, I was 11 years old, like I mentioned previously, and there was a movie that came out, and it was the worst of the entire franchise as far as Star Wars goes, and that was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh. However, it did have one super redeeming quality for an 11-year-old Yancey who was discovering girls for the first time, and that was Natalie Portman playing Padme, uh, also Queen Amidala. Uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying uh, – Natalie Portman is objectively one of the most beautiful women in the world. Uh, she played, you know, like I said, like a very beautiful woman who's exactly eight years older than I am. Her birthday is very close to mine in December. And she's just she's just 
beautiful and she you know she played like the the love interest the beautiful eye candy in a star wars film and even though those movies looking back were you know, like i said the worst of the star wars franchise she played the parts very well um you know and she she did the best that she could with a really flawed script that almost completely sank the entire star wars franchise as a whole and i personally think it was the reason why george lucas sold off lucas films just because uh he couldn't take it anymore but Natalie Portman, she's still stuck around. You know, she's been Academy nominated multiple times. She's been nominated for over 150 acting awards. Uh, she won an Oscar. Uh, her part in Black Swan was absolutely incredible. It's one of my wife and I's, uh, my wife and mine favorite movies that we've seen together. Um, she's just, like I said, objectionably beautiful in every possible way. And what's also really draws me to her is the fact that. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but like she is like legally uh, like a textbook definition of a genius. Like oh, she's yeah. one of the most she's intelligent smart. people in yeah. Hollywood. Wickedly, wickedly intelligent. And I mean, just the you know the fact that, like I said, she is you know incredibly beautiful, which you know she has nothing to do with. You know that's out of her control. But the fact that she is so intelligent and you know she's so worldly and you know all, all the things that she says that she puts out and her comments and her quotes on things is so thoughtful and so thought provoking that. She's just, to me, like the, the total package. She's the type of person where, you know, if I had a daughter, I would want my daughter to want to emulate somebody like her, somebody who is so forward thinking and, you know, just really an independent thinker and somebody who loves to learn and everything like that. She's just a total package for me. So Natalie Portman, I, I went, I hemmed and hawed between going back and forth between her and the number one, which I already spoiled. Yep. Um, but she she's a very, very close to almost like a 1A or a 1B. Um, but Natalie Portman's my number two. Okay, so my number two. Here we go. Uh, back, okay, so last week, Yancey, we were talking about Revenge of the Nerds. And I was saying how back, you know, when I was like 12, 13, 14, you know, at that time in the early 80s, like these R-rated sort of sex comedies were like all the rage. Like they were everywhere. And when you're that age, this is where you got a chance to kind of see the world, I guess, for lack of a better term, when you were growing up in, as a Gen Xer. And so that's kind of where we, you know, were able to see girls, you know, for the first time and kind of experience that. And none was bigger. This is in 1982. This is this is a defining moment for an entire generation. And if you haven't seen it, Yancey, I'm sure you can like, you know, find it on YouTube or somewhere like that, you know, somewhere on your smartphone there, young man, you can look it up and find this scene. From the 1982 film, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Phoebe Cates in the red bikini scene coming out of the pool defined an entire generation of young men. And I was one of them because I was caught right in the middle of that time. And I'm not going to say anything more about it. Yancey, just go Google it. Find the scene with the red bikini, Phoebe Cates, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and you will know as a 12-year-old boy when this movie came out exactly what kind of effect that scene would have on a human being. That's all I'm going to say about that, and we're going to move on, okay? So we're, we're on. Danielle, you know what scene I'm talking about, right? Oh, absolutely. It's well worth it. Even as a girl, I you know my jaw dropped. I think that Phoebe Cates and that scene was to boys what Jake leaning against the car in 16 Candles was yes. for girls. Good good analogy, I think, from a Gen X perspective, because <laughs> because I think they're both very, very uh, uh, relevant to Gen X and, and, and very, very good. I like that one. That's good. But uh, but like I say, any anyone that, that grew up as Gen Xer knows exactly what I'm talking about right there. So let's move on to number one. Danielle, take us away. Who's your number one celebrity crush that you had as a kid? Okay, my number one celebrity crush, and this is an absolute crush crush for me. I ripped apart Tiger Beat magazines to get his picture up on my wall. Corey Haim. <laughs> that was a good one, yeah. He was huge, yes. He was. He yeah, was he was. Huge. He had that, you know, charming smile, um, you know, the, the kind of smile that you would imagine seeing in like a Crest commercial with the little star twinkle coming out the side. Um, he had this charismatic charm. Um, you know, he was fun. He was playful. Although in looking back, as an adult looking back on this, I think some of uh, his charm could come off as smarmy yep. a little bit now, but at least for me at that age, 
that was just everything that I looked for in a guy. Um, I know that he had a, a movie called uh, License to Drive that, that came was the out big in one. 88. Yeah. Yep, that was the big one. And I was 12 years old at the time. So for me, older guy who could drive, which, you know, he couldn't necessarily at that point in the movie, but he did anyways. Um, that just seemed like the epitome of everything I could ever dream for. So... <laughs> Corey Haim was my number one. And remember when he made those movies? It was the two Corys. It was Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, License to Drive. That was so funny. And Lost Boys. Is, oh, man, that was so good. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. They had they had quite the bromance going on. I think that back in the day, the two bromances were the two Corys and then uh, Andrew McCarthy and uh, James Spader. Oh, those, yeah. those guys were always <laughs> doing movies together. Yes, yes. Pretty and Pink. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny because, I mean, you can look back on it with a different perspective when you look at Corey Haim, who's obviously, you know, not no longer with us, right? But when, yeah. when he was doing, like, these reality shows and you kind of saw kind of what he descended into with, you know, oh. substance abuse and stuff like that, it's so so mm-hmm. terrible. And it was just like a, he became a bit, almost like a caricature of himself. But it was hard to realize, I think, for, you know, for millennials to look at him in those reality shows and realize, hey, man, that guy was a major heartthrob for a lot of a lot of teenage girls, yourself included. He was. Yeah, he was. He was. He was huge. And I think the sad part of him later in life was that he was still the same guy that he was when I was 12. You know, he he really hadn't matured. Right. right. And, And that was just so hard to see. Yeah, no, that's, oh, so that's, a, that's I, a good one. I choose to remember him as he was in 1988. As and and, and that's one of the key things with with Gen Xers. I tend to find is we we tend to like to like remember people and moments and movies and scenes and stuff as they were. You know, it's like Absolutely. a it's like a it's like a it's like a slice in time. You know what I mean? As I mentioned last week. So okay, uh, Yancey, who do you have? Number one. Well, I think we know. Oh. You've already tipped us off. Yeah. Very quickly, though, I was just Googling Corey Haim because I actually don't know who he is. But ah, like, you're, like you're mentioning, oh, he's man. he's no longer with us. But like, man, this dude, uh, aside from his extremely questionable, like blonde uh, dyed hairstyles, th- he he seemed to have a really difficult life. Like, I, yes. I'm reading yeah. stuff about him. He, he was raped as a child. Um, like, he died broken alone. Like, really, like a twisted life. Like, I'm, I'm not even knowing anything about him. I actually feel really bad for the guy. But like you said, you know, obviously, like a very, very handsome dude. But, man, he, he had a difficult go of it. And even he toward really the did. end, Danielle made a good point because at the end, he was still that kid from the 80s that wouldn't grow up because I remember even Corey Feldman had moved on and like had a wife and you know was putting a life together for himself and Corey Haim was still just himself the partier you know at least that's kind of how things came off so yeah yeah Uh. definitely and now that you've seen what he looks like Yancey and you had kind of talked about how some of your picks uh, uh, you know it's your kind of uh, the type of woman that you look for. Mm-hmm. If you notice, most of the guys that I've picked are that uh, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, um, and look absolutely nothing like my husband. So <laughs> I think that Corey, <laughs> I think that Corey Haim is the only one that comes anywhere close, and that's mostly just because of the light-colored hair. So right. I, I obviously have changed what I go for as I got older. Yeah, that's perfectly okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you certainly now I, now I go for the big beard. That's exactly. What gets me. Exactly. You certainly didn't settle because Justin's a great guy. Okay, so yeah. on to number one. Yancey, what have you got? Yeah. So number one for me, as mentioned previously, because I am not good at podcasting. Uh, number one for me is Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> uh, so Kate Beckinsale, um, she's mostly known for her roles in uh, Pearl Harbor, The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, she was in a bunch of movies between like 2012 to 2016. Um, what are some other? She was in White Out. She was in Nothing But the Truth. Lots of movies. Not a lot of big roles. She's not really known as like a leading actress. Um, but what I always think of whenever I think of Kate Beckinsale is aside. From the fact that she is just classically beautiful um same same description as some of the other actresses that i talked about before she looks just like my wife she is very fair skinned she has the long dark hair she has the green eyes uh you know the really really just beautiful infectious smile you see the woman smile like in an interview or laugh or something and it just automatically like just brings out the warmth in you um she has that effect but Whenever I think of her, I think of the roles that she had in Underworld, uh, either Underworld that came out in 2003 or Underworld out of Evolution or Rise of the Lycans, where she basically plays like, you know, uh, a vampire killer. And she's like 
just completely badass. She's, you know, she's strong, she's powerful. And that's like a recurring theme with me with like these female actresses. I, I like, you know, women who are strong and they, they, kind of just handle stuff themselves they're super tough they they you know bang bang they shoot guns and stuff like that they're not afraid to get dirty they take care of things they you know they're they're not weak they're not cowering and they're not waiting around for somebody to save them and i understand that she's just you know playing a part but man she plays it so well she plays it tough she you know it, it's it's an iconic role i would love to see them kind of like bring back that franchise um you know perhaps they will in the next couple of years but she was just so iconic in it and so strong and she just has this piercing this piercing look and her physical features play so well to this type of uh, this you know this type of movie this genre of you know like a vampire flick you know like i said like the really light skin the super dark hair like she was born to play like a badass vampire killer just it works so well she's just so incredibly beautiful she's so lovely and whenever you hear her accent come out in interviews and stuff, she's just the complete package. I've absolutely loved her forever. And uh, just as really quickly, I, I don't know if we had the time for this, but I just wanted to throw out a couple honorable mentions very, very quickly. Sure, go ahead. Um, so Eliza Dushku and Elijah Cuthbert, both like synonymous with like multiple movies in the late 90s and 2000s. Um, I've also been a huge fan of Jennifer Love Hewitt since the beginning of time. Um, Rachel McAdams, I'm not so much of like a, you know, I don't always like gravitate towards blondes, but she's objectionably beautiful and she's still... Canadian uh, too. Yep, also Canadian and making like tons and tons of good movies. Um, Monica Bellucci, you know, she was in The Matrix, The Passion of the Christ. She's, again, a beautiful woman, but uh, I think this will surprise you guys and maybe you'll get on board with this too, but um, before any of these films, like if anybody asked me what the the most beautiful woman was, I always remember seeing like a poster or something like it was like at my uncle's house or my grandfather's like his like garage or something like that. But I've always thought, you know, ever since I knew about women, that one of the most beautiful women to ever grace the face of the earth was Raquel Welch, you know, who obviously dates me like by a lot. Wow. I know, but I, I've always thought like if I ever like, you know, Google like the most beautiful woman in the world, like, you know, within a couple of searches like she always comes up i think that her just her face her body her whole demeanor the way she carried herself just one of the most beautiful women of all time so i wanted to give her a little bit of a nod she didn't make my top five but like i said that is a a classic textbook beautiful woman so look at, at yes yeah. giving the props to the to the old school <laughs> ones good for you yep. like it okay so my I actually yeah go ahead i had a couple of honorable mentions oh please do please mention there if i could go but for I it i did it a little <laughs> bit differently my honorable mentions are the girl crushes that i had when i was younger very cool uh, i gotta hear this uh, for me soleil moon fry elizabeth shoe Alyssa milano madonna molly ringwald and then because i am a true geek at heart carrie fisher very so those good. are my girl crushes when I was younger. Soleil Moon Fry is a good one too. And you know another one that I, I would just throw out there? Remember that show Blossom from the Oh 80s? yeah. <clears throat> what about six? I always I don't know. I, I always like the kind of more of like the sidekick ones, you know? But I, mean, I was like <laughs> I thought six was uh, Jenna Von Oy was her name. And uh, I thought she was pretty good too. Okay, so my number one. Um speaking of kind of like the I guess the side ones, the one you wouldn't expect. So in 1985, Michael J. Fox made this huge movie, Back to the Future. But Yancey, this I'm going to educate you on something. He also made a really small movie that year. And Gen Xers know exactly where I'm going to go with this, I hope. He made another movie that year. And it was a really small movie. And it was kind of a bomb at the box office. But those of us Gen Xers that know this movie, love this movie, it's called Teen Wolf. Okay, and so he made this movie called Teen Wolf, where he is, uh-huh. is a teenager and he turns into a wolf. You know, whenever he he wants to, he can I turn know into of a wolf. it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, and he just turns, and it actually became like a TV series in like the two thousands. I think it was shot and produced in Canada, but anyway, neither here nor there. It was a nineteen eighty five movie with Michael J. Fox, and he turns into a into a wolf. And there was a girl in the movie that 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 was kind of like she hung around him and and she kind of liked him but he didn't pay attention to her he wanted the, the 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 really gorgeous blonde from high school and he didn't want anything to do with this girl next door you know that that really liked him and maybe because i was a nerd and still am a nerd and i kind of felt that way too for the most part when i was very you know in, in 1985 i was 15 i just felt very uncomfortable with girls and all that kind of stuff maybe because i was in that same position i related to this but her character's name was boof and the actress's name was susan ursity and i had 
the hugest crush on Susan Ursity that I have carried to this day. And I think other Gen Xers out there will go, yes, Chris, I agree with you. I had the same crush. There was just something about her. She, she you know, she did do a lot of movies. She had a, a small part in Zapped and she did a couple TV series, you know, here and there, like just one-off, you know, appearances like in Charles in Charge and stuff like that. But it was Boof in Teen Wolf that kind of cemented her, I think, for an entire generation and and I hope to get some feedback from this. Um, a whole generation of, of Gen Xers out there that, that realize that Susan Ursity was their their major crush when they were a kid and they were growing up as a teenager because she was mine. And she, you know, I, I just, I don't know. So I just had to mention her. So she's my number one. Well, okay. How do you spell her name? I cannot find her on Google. <laughs> okay. So her last name is U-R-S-I-T-T-I. Ursity. Ursity. Yep. Like I say, she's re- beautiful. She's that cute, short, dark hair. Oh, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And just the thing with the, that it got me about her again, going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, Yancey, it's not about the, the, the people that are the most beautiful. It's the ones that have something different about them. And for her, mm-hmm. it was just this vulnerability and this, she was the ultimate girl next door. She was just that girl next door, and, and, and she played it so perfectly in that role. She was the girl that was right beside him next door, literally, that he just didn't pay attention to until the end and realized, wow, this whole time she's been right there. And it was just a mixture of that and her looks and her vulnerability that tied it all together, and I think tied together a generation of, of Gen Xers that also think Susan Ursity was the number one crush of Gen X. So I'm going to say that and I'm going to leave it at that. And it's time now to have fun with Yancey. Okay. So are you guys ready to, to do some trivia based on our topic tonight? Yeah, oh, let's yeah. do it. So what I decided to do is I've got, I put together some trivia questions. I'm going to throw them out there. So I'll tell you what, you guys can be a tag team. Okay. So you guys can just, whenever you think you know the answer, maybe just blur it out and just, just see if you know it. So this first one should be an easy one, uh, especially for Danielle, because it's already come up once in this podcast. <laughs> okay. So this magazine aimed primarily at teenage and preteen girls started back in 1965. And throughout the years, the covers were mostly made up of like collages of headshots and stuff. And they featured many of the sort of heartthrobs of the day. So can you name this teen heartthrob magazine? I wasted a lot of allowance on teen (laughs) magazine. (laughs) What was it called? Teen Beat Magazine. No, no, close. No, No, are we talking about like 16 mag or like Cosmo or something? Oh, Teen Beat is so close. There was close. There was. I want. I almost want to give it to you. It's not Teen Beat. (laughs) Think of you go to the zoo and there is an animal. Tiger Beat. Yes, that's it. Tiger Beat. Yes, (laughs) Tiger Beat magazine. There were a few of them. Oh, there was a bunch of them. You're right. There was Teen Beat Tiger. Is it still around? Yes, it's still around as far as I know. I think it is, yeah. Okay, so tying into that one into the next question. So back in the late 70s and early 80s, this male, he was an actor and singer, really, and he was featured almost weekly. Every week, he would be on every teen magazine you can imagine on, on, the, on the cover. And I think he was the subject of just about every teenage girl's crush at one point or another during his reign that he had as a cover boy. And after years of dealing with substance abuse, he resurfaced years later in reality shows like Fear Factor and Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. Yancey, Danielle, can you name the former child star and cover model who graced the magazine of every single magazine in the 70s and 80s? No. No. <laughs> Danielle, this is, this is on you. Come on. This is totally you. So, so think of a tree and what's something that falls from a tree. A leaf. Yes, a leaf. A pine cone. A leaf. A leaf. <laughs> does the leaf does leaf help you help you at all, Danielle? I can't remember his last name. Leaf Garrett. Leaf Garrett. He was like the biggest <laughs> of the big in those magazines back in the day. Okay, so back in the nineties. So this one I think is going to be right in your wheelhouse, Danielle. Okay, so this male actor had teenage girls' hearts all over America crushing on him for simply saying one. I wouldn't even say it's a word, just one sort of syllable, and that was, whoa. Who was he? <laughs> Joey Lauren. <Yep. laughs> Who are these people? 
<laughs> Yancey's like, who's that? Okay, Scott Bayo. Yancey, you probably know him as one of the, the very few celebrities out there that were willing to endorse Donald Trump. Donald during, Trump. Yeah, right. during his campaign, went for U.S. presidency in 2016. Um, but however, it had been many, many, actually many, many, many years since Scott Bayo was known to the general public. But believe it or not, Scott Bayo was actually a huge crush of on a teenage girls right across the United States when he starred in Happy Days. Yancey, Danielle, can you name Scott Bayo's character on Happy Days? Do you know it, Yancey? <laughs> what do you, well, honestly, Danielle, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> he later got his own show. Chachi! Yeah! <laughs> and he later Wait, got Jody his... loves Chachi. I was say, is this Chachi. a show? Because I remember watching, I think it was like Dodgeball and Ben Stiller's character... It's like, Jody loves Chachi. Is that what that's from? Yes, no? yes. Okay, cool. So oh, I kind man. of know it, I guess. Oh, man, it's just funny, these millennial <laughs> You at least know a reference. Yeah, there, there you go. go. That's close. Okay, so one of the most popular crushes from the 90s was Winnie Cooper from The Wonder Years. Can you name the actress that played Winnie Cooper? <laughs> Huge crush. Danica okay. McKellar? Yes! Very good. Yes, that's it. All right. Okay, so one final one here. A little bit of a tough one. Okay, so every, as I'm sure you're aware, every single decade always has a famous pinup girl, right? In the 50s, it was Marilyn Monroe. You know, the 80s, there was Heather Thomas. The 90s had Pamela Anderson. So can you name? Bo Derek. Can you name? Sorry. Close, (laughs) I guess. Can you name the famous pinup girl of the 1970s? She had the highest selling poster of all time. And Farrah Fawcett. Po- oh my god, yes. Nice. Oh, very good. Yes. Oh. And what was <laughs> the You know, thing- honestly, as an aside, obviously Farrah Fawcett was a very, very gorgeous woman. Right. I feel so bad for her because correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she die the same day as Michael Jackson? Yes. And like his death yes. completely yeah. over like shadowed hers. And like she had a very, very illustrious career for a long time. And I just remember watching the news and it was like, oh, MJ, MJ, MJ. Oh, yeah. By the way, Farrah Fawcett died today, too. I was like, oh, like, you know, it sucks to die regardless. But man, that was kind of sad. That, <laughs> you know, she had to kind of like share that day with like, a you know, one of the most famous people of all time. But yeah, yeah, I remember having the same reaction because her death was announced first and then MJ. And it was like mm. one of those times where you see somebody kind of famous and you get excited about it. And then you see somebody really famous behind them and you just go right past. And, yep. and that's and kind of what her death was like. Gone. Exactly. But, oh, By the way, man. this is kind of random, too. But yeah. I'm a huge fan of like that that feathered look that the women of the 60s and 70s did with their hair. I think that's so beautiful. And it's like one trend that I wish would come back today. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. And that was, and Farrah Vaza was like the queen of that. Like, I mean, her hair was, was but her hair was the was not the star of that poster. Let me tell you, there was one other thing <laughs> that poster that was a little bit more famous. But she was really one, known for that. One other hair. thing? We had just, well, I think there was just one that you could see. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was known. Uh, it was a little cold in the studio that day. Let's just say that. Uh, so, hey, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach us at Yance Eaton or at C. McBrien. And, of course, you can reach Danielle Salinger at Mrs. D. Salinger on Twitter. That's M-R-S-D Salinger. Danielle, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been great. Thank you, guys. I had a great time. This is like stepping into your favorite show and really great to be involved. Oh, it was a lot of fun having you. So, Yancey, we're going to flip back to our normal sort of uh, format for next week. So I'm going to have to watch a movie between now and next week. Do you have something lined up for me? I don't. I actually thought it was your week to pick a movie, but you're right. No, because we did Revenge of the Nerds last week. So so I hate to put you on the spot, but if you want to throw a movie at me and I'll watch it between now and next week, and then we'll come back next week and discuss your millennial film, and then uh, then I'll send you back to the 80s again after that. So do you have anything in mind that you'd – like the watch or anything just off the top of your head that you want me to watch you know what i'm gonna throw something at you it's completely off the the, the beaten path of sci-fi films that you're oh I know no, you're it's another hate. sci-fi film i can't believe it. <laughs> no it's not it's uh it's actually an animated film and uh in my personal opinion i think it's one of the greatest films of all time it came out in 1994 yep. and it was overshadowed simply because forrest gump also came out in the same year but it's actually the lion king for the first Ooh. time ever, Chris, we're going to talk about an animated movie on this podcast. And you want to know something? And okay, so don't judge me on this. I know this is really bad. Don't judge I would me never. on this. I have never seen The Lion King. Oh, my wow. God. I know. Isn't that Danielle. Bad? Oh, my God. Oh, you hear this? I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm obviously familiar it with it and the songs I've, and everything, but I've never seen it. 
I've seen it enough, probably for all three of us. <laughs> just having an almost seven-year-old at home. As a matter of fact, if you guys need a guest for the show, I'm sure my daughter would love <laughs> to come in. Uh, but she has some yeah. thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> She's lots and lots of thoughts. She sleeps every night with Simba, uh, a little Simba plushie. So we took her to Disneyland a few months ago, and that was the one thing that she really wanted. She loves this movie. So you'll hopefully you'll have a lot of fun watching that, Chris. So the film has obviously endured over the years, and it's, it's had a lot of lasting power. And um, and so I'll absolutely watch it for next week. That's a good one. Yeah, see, I like that mm-hmm. one. That's a good one. Not, I don't know. Is it qualify as a millennial film? Because it was in 94. I guess kind of. It's on the cusp, right? So uh, I mean, I was, I was six years old whenever yeah. it came out. So it's perfect. So. No, I'll definitely I'll watch it for next week. We'll come back. We'll talk about Lion King. It's all good. Until then, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Mm-hmm.